That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he felt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest in the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen. He's Matt Bonaparte here with your weekly softball update. It's what the people were missing. Bones had a heartbreaking defeat last time out. Lost by one run. Had a nice comeback in the last inning of the game. I think we put up a, a five spot in the last inning and just couldn't bring that final run across. Well, it was the case of we hit them where they were. Yes, we directly a, were, where were they were. A lot of hard hit balls, and they just happened to go right to the opposing team. And, yeah. you know, sometimes uh, a baseball coach would tell you, you know, keep hitting that way as long as you're hitting the ball hard. Right. a good thing. So, you know, I'll take that home, and I'll take that advice to heart because uh, I had a couple good hits there, but right to some fielders. Yeah, and it's tough, too, in – Softball because you have four outfielders, yeah, which isn't helpful. So you're trying to hit balls in the gaps, but there's just not many gaps because you have a left center fielder and a right center fielder, which just is not particularly helpful when you are trying to hit balls in the gaps. And then there's just defenders there that wouldn't normally be there. Yeah, I, I mean, I got on via an error at the end of the game to keep the game alive. Hey, however, and I'll tell you what. And however, it happened. Let me tell you this. I walked up to the plate in a clutch situation more confident than I ever had my Because you had life. no idea that it was I a didn't clutch know there situation. Were two outs. I yeah. had no idea there were two outs. If I did, that would have been bad. Yeah. So uh, good on you for not telling me. Yeah. I didn't want to icy out there. Yeah, thanks, a lot to talk about today, Bones. We were coming into this podcast thinking that we would give you an in-depth breakdown of the guys that we think the Orioles could be targeting with the 17th pick in the upcoming MLB draft, which is under two weeks away Nuts. at this point. We're still going to do that. It's just going to be later on in the show because we've got some news to talk about. First and foremost, being that Mike Elias read all of your tweets that My said tweets? where yeah, that said where is Jordan Westberg? I never tweeted that. Every single fan tweet has been answered and Jordan Westberg is finally up at the big league level and the only reason is because everybody kept tweeting about it. I just want to say this if I had the cheering section every day that Jordan Westberg had... Yeah, that was awesome. ...for his MLB debut... Yeah. I think I would succeed on a daily basis more often. I mean, everybody sure. needs a cheering section like that, and he had it. Yeah. And he was good. And especially after the rain delay, too, yeah. when everybody could just get, like, right behind home plate to only be cheering on Jordan exactly. Westberg, it seemed like. That was awesome. Uh, Jordan Westberg had 158 games... In AAA Norfolk, which is a lot of games, and it is yeah, pretty much a whole season. During those 158 games, he hit 283 with 36 home runs, 40 doubles, and 899 OPS. Obviously not expecting that kind of production from Jordan Westberg at the big league level over a full season, but if those numbers are, are anything comparable to what he was showing potential-wise in Norfolk, he could be a real spark plug in the middle infield. Yeah, also a guy who never really played poorly in the minors. Like, the entirety of his minor league career, his OPS was above 700, and for the majority of it was above 800. Uh, so I think that you got to be happy about that, and obviously you're not going to get that uh, production right away from him, but this guy can hit the ball. We know that 
And I think that Orioles fan should be really excited about what this infield could be because if he comes in and is even a whisper of what his potential is, this infield could be one of the best in baseball. Yeah, and he was mashing this season too. I mean, I, I talked about his full stats for the 158 games that he played in Norfolk in general, but this year, I mean, 295 batting average, a 939 OPS in 67 games. And I think there was... You know, uh, there were a lot of questions among fans saying, why isn't Jordan Westberg here yet? It doesn't seem like he has anything left to prove in AAA Norfolk. And to that, I think I would say the move wasn't about Jordan Westberg having to prove anything at AAA Norfolk and more so just about the fact that the Orioles are in a very different spot than where they were a few years ago. When they took him. Right. Yeah. If Jordan Westberg was hitting the ball this well at AAA Norfolk two, three years ago, he probably would have been up well before he got to play 158 games. Yeah. But the priority now is not necessarily solely on development. Obviously, the priority is still to develop your top prospects as much as you can. Jordan Westberg is a top 40 prospect in baseball. You want to make sure that you are following whatever blueprint you need to follow to make sure that he has an outstanding career. But two, three years ago, the priority was solely on that development. So if he had nothing left to prove at AAA Norfolk, he would have been up immediately. As soon as his development blueprint would justify calling him up to the big leagues, he'd be in the big leagues. But the priority this year is winning games at the big league level, no matter whether that's with veterans that you've brought in or some of your top prospects. And so even though Jordan Westberg didn't necessarily have much more to prove at AAA Norfolk, you were still getting pretty solid production from Adam Frazier for the first yeah. part of the year. I know his offense has dipped a little bit, but you were getting solid production from Jorge Mateo, and he is still an excellent asset defensively. So you couldn't call up Jordan Westberg while you were still winning a ton of games, getting good production from the middle of There's your no infield. Yeah. Now Westberg gets the call, because it seems like he is at least an upgrade in some sense to, you know, maybe he can be a platoon with Adam Frazier. Whatever role you want him to be in, the Orioles clearly believe that Westberg gives you the ability to win more games right now. I don't know if he is going to get everyday starts, but I do anticipate him getting a good amount of starts at second base. Could see him as a platoon option with Adam Frazier, which, by the way, is a little bit weird because Jordan Westberg this year has had some pretty crazy reverse splits. Yeah. He's been much better against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching this year at AAA Norfolk. I don't know how much the Orioles are really going to be paying attention to that. I would assume that they just probably think that those splits will go back to where we are used to seeing right-handed hitters. But as of right now, I would kind of expect a platoon with Adam Frazier with maybe Jordan Westberg getting a little bit more of the nod if it's a toss-up between the two. Yeah, and it's all dependent on how he plays, right? I mean, if this kid comes out of nowhere and skyrockets and is just, you know, hitting the cover off the ball, obviously he's going to see more playing time. Um, but realistically, I think you're right about a platoon with Frazier on the right side of the infield. But the thing is, this kid can play anywhere in the infield, really. Right. Um, he can play second base. He can play left side. Uh, I saw some people saying they might see him uh, potentially playing some shortstop this year. So uh, he has the ability to go anywhere, and I think that's what you have 
uh, that that's the positive aspect of him is that he's so versatile and he's that utility guy within the infield and also has a good bat. Yeah, so when you look at the infield at this point, Jorge Mateo has been struggling offensively but is still an excellent defensive shortstop. He is still valuable in the lineup day in and day out. It's just really a matter of whether or not you can keep the bat in there if the cold stretch continues, but obviously we anticipate Jorge Mateo being able to get back a little bit closer to form to where he was at the beginning of the season. Adam Frazier is still playing solid baseball, albeit the on-base percentage, probably not where you would hope. OPS below but, 700. Right, he's still one of the better defensive second basemen. He has come up in a lot of clutch situations. He still, I, I think, has around one war, according to baseball reference, Jorge Mateo right around there as well. And then Ramon Arias, I mean, ever since that Brewer series where he had three hits, I think in game two of that series, you know, against his brother, he's been hitting around 300 since that stretch. So Ramon Arias has been looking a lot better at the plate. We know what he can do defensively. He's a gold glove third baseman. And of course, Gunnar Henderson has been on a heater for the last month or so he is a quality defensive shortstop an excellent defensive third baseman so the Orioles have a lot of options in the middle infield and I think it's really just going to come down to matchups I mean we've seen Jordan Westberg in the lineup against two left-handed pitchers I would anticipate Adam Frazier still getting some run against right-handed pitchers but you could have Westberg in there at shortstop you could have him at third I think he's going to be mostly second baseman but you could move Arias to third and first. You could move Gunner to shortstop and third base. I mean, heck, even Jorge Mateo could play the outfield if you needed him to. So the Orioles have a lot of options with what to do with these shortstops. Yeah, and I'm just thinking down the road as well, if he continues to put up good numbers and he, and he continues to have a solid campaign, when you come around playoff time and you have a guy like that that you can bring off the bench and you can put fresh legs out there, yeah, uh, that's a solid player and could start on other teams, that's so helpful. And that's something that's going to help you beat other teams uh, when it matters most. So Westberg, I think, could be hugely, hugely helpful and important uh, to an Orioles playoff run, too. Yeah, and that's true of, of really anybody in this infield that could potentially move to more of a bench role. I yeah. mean, if Jorge Mateo turns into a a kind of defensive replacement pinch runner type of player. I mean, he's that's, the best one in the majors. That's the, he's the best <laughs> one in the majors. I mean, if Adam Frazier turns into a bench piece, he is an incredibly valuable veteran who can come in and, and give bat, you, yeah. and a lefty bat who can give you good at-bats against right-handed pitching and solid defense at second base. I mean, Ramon Rios would be the best defensive replacement in all of baseball. So really any of these guys, if they turn into quote-unquote bench pieces, which I don't really think any of them will. But if any of them did, they're like the best bench pieces in the league at that point. Yeah, the O's are set up for, for success. Uh, and that's what having that surplus of talent in the minors does for you. When yeah. you can bring up guys, and again, they still have plenty of talent down there that they haven't tapped into that we'll get into. Uh, so that's what it gets you. It gets you so much talent around the infield, and you can bring in guys like that, and they can end up being starters for you. It changes the entire complexity of your team. But again, it, this decision to call up Jordan Westberg came down to the fact that, yes, he proved everything he needed to prove at AAA Norfolk, but he also showed that he is at least a part of the conversation for the best options that are going to win you the most games in the infield at the big league level. It's not just about Jordan Westberg's development. 
the Orioles are firmly in the playoff hunt at this point. So it yeah. is about making sure that you have the players on your roster who give you the best chance to win games. I know there's going to be a lot of conversation about Colton Kowser, but it's kind of the same sort of conversation with Jordan Westberg. If you're looking solely at Colton Kowser's development, then yes, maybe he has proved everything he needs to prove at AAA Norfolk, and he should be at the big league level, and that's what would be best for his development. If you were finding everyday at-bats for him in the majors, that's what Colton Kowser could be doing right now. But you have Austin Hayes playing all-star level baseball. Cedric Mullins, just back from injury, was playing all-star level baseball. Anthony Santander is a fixture in the middle of the lineup, and Aaron Hicks has been pretty unbelievable the since the Orioles got He's him in free. And more. So the question there becomes, where would you put Colton Kowser? Because, okay. you know, we've heard arguments of, you know, maybe he would take Ryan McKenna's spot at the big league level, but Ryan McKenna isn't getting every day at bats. Ryan McKenna is filling the role that he needs to fill at the big league level really well, which is he is a good defensive replacement and he can give you some quality at-bats against left-handed pitching. Ryan McKenna has been exactly what the Orioles need him to be. And Colton Kowser probably isn't going to come up to the majors and fill the same role as Ryan McKenna would fill. Yeah, the difference there is that you know what McKenna is going to give you. Yeah. While Kowser, of course, has such a high ceiling, you don't know what that floor is at the major league level right now. Sure. Um, but what I want to say is what the Orioles have built here is a situation in which you don't have to go into the deadline looking for a bat like a lot yeah. of other teams have to. A lot of other championship contending teams have to and have done in the past. You have plenty of guys you can bring up and just say, let's try this one. Let's sure. try this one. <laughs> Isn't that such an inc- like what a what a niche thing that pretty much only the Orioles have the luxury of doing is, all right, we need a bat. Let's bring up Colton Cowser, see what he can do. And maybe he'll just be on fire for a month. And he's the guy that's going to be that fixture in the lineup instead of having to go out and go get somebody uh, from another team or have to make a deal for somebody. And then they have the kind of double-edged sword there where they have so much ammo and a surplus of minor league talent that if they had to, they could. Yeah. So there's so much there. Very good problems to have if you are looking at the AAA Norfolk roster and saying... Well, Jordan Westberg could be at the big league level. Well, Colton Kowser could be at the big league level. And then your answer is, yeah, but there's good players there right now. And, you know, especially looking at the outfield, I'm sure we'll be talking about Colton Kowser more in the coming weeks. But if you have four outfielders with Hayes, Mullins, Santander, Hicks, who are lighting the world on fire, and then Ryan McKenna is still giving you, again, exactly what you need Ryan McKenna to give you, it's hard to say... Yeah, here's a spot for Colton Kowser to get every day at bats because who are you taking out of the lineup with those outfielders? But again, a very good problem to have as the Orioles are prioritizing winning baseball games at the big league level over purely their development of their young prospects. But on the topic of their young prospect bones, we do have to talk about the updated MLB pipeline rankings where Jackson Holiday is your new number one prospect in baseball It is pretty unbelievable that we have had the chance to talk about the number one prospect in baseball being on the Baltimore Orioles for three years now. Yeah. You go from Adley Rutschman to Gunnar Henderson, and now Jackson Holiday holds the number one spot. It's nuts. I mean, it's absurd. Yeah. Uh, This team 
uh, has so much talent. And Jackson Holiday being number one, it almost feels like, come on. Like, again? Yeah. No, seriously. Because <laughs> like, with prospects as well, it's like, you in baseball especially, you don't know if every single guy is going to hit, but you know that the guys in the top ten are likely going to hit. Yeah. So for the Orioles to have that many guys in the top ten in consecutive years alone is crazy. To have that many guys at number one is a it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. I can't really think of former number one prospects off the top of my head that have not succeeded at the big Brent league level. Uh, well, sure. There's one from a while ago, but I mean, recent number one prospects in baseball have included what Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. Number one prospect in baseball, you're usually pretty good. Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson. And yes, you can say that the Orioles have had top draft picks in the last few years, and that's why they keep having the number one prospect in baseball. But look, it's panning out. But it, Gunnar Henderson wasn't the number one pick. Gunnar Henderson wasn't a first-round pick. So, yes, the Orioles have had good picks. Yes, the number one prospects in baseball that the Orioles have had, two of them have been the number one overall pick in the draft. But Jackson Holiday wasn't the consensus number one prospect. A lot of people thought Drew Jones could be the number one pick in that draft. That's the other thing. There's so much talent in this in this echelon of players, yeah. in this class or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Like, there is so much talent. It's not like, all right, like, he gets number one, but, like, the rest are really not all Yeah, number two is Ellie De La Cruz. Everybody else is unreal. That's the other thing. Yeah. I was thinking when I was looking at that list, is like, you're watching what Ellie De La Cruz is doing right now. It's like, they're saying Jackson's better? Yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, I had a a buddy of mine text me and say, how is Jackson Holiday ranked above Ellie De La Cruz in the top 100 prospect rankings? And I think De La Cruz probably has, I mean, he has an argument. He is mashing at the big I league mean, level right now. But I think really the the separator there, at least for me, when you're looking at their numbers, Ellie De La Cruz strikes out a lot, mm-hmm. which is fine when you're hitting like 330 and hitting for the cycle with a ton of home runs at the big league level. Jackson Holiday is 19 at high A Aberdeen with a 450 on base percentage and almost as many walks as strikeouts. So if you're going to say that there's any separator between Jackson Holiday and Ellie De La Cruz, obviously De La Cruz is at the big league level. He is succeeding there right now. But Jackson Holiday is a legitimate five-tool player who doesn't strike out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I have nothing to combat. Yes. Like, I can't play devil's advocate. He's fantastic. Yeah. And if you're going to knock Ellie De La Cruz, which is hard to do, he does strike out a good bit at the big league level. <laughs> <laughs> He's still excellent, but Jackson Holiday is the number one prospect in baseball, beating out guys like De La Cruz, Jackson Churio, Marcelo Mayer, James Wood. Beating out guys who have, in their first 20 games in De La Cruz, have come up and been some of the biggest stars in baseball already. Yeah, hit for the like, cycle in his first few games. Talk yeah. about building hype. Like, yeah. come on. They're saying this guy's better. It's pretty good. Pretty and good. not only is Jackson Holiday the number one prospect in baseball, but you have had... Recently, guys graduate like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and it doesn't really matter. The Orioles just keep pumping out top prospects in the game. Colton Kowser is all the way up to the number 14 prospect in baseball. He has got a 450 on base percentage in Norfolk, OPS over 975. Jordan Westberg is up to number 33. He will graduate after you know a certain number of games. 
Heston Kerstad up to number 39. He's got an OPS close to 950 in Norfolk. Hasn't been there Dude, very long. That but guy just mashes. Yeah. Like, that's another guy where it's like, what are you going to do with him? Like, seriously. They, they don't, there's only three outfield spots. Yeah. Put him in DH maybe. Well, Heston Kerstad getting a good bit of run at first base this year. True. He is, has very played true. some first base in double-A buoy. to replace Ryan O'Hearn, though. Right? I mean, can't replace Ryan O'Hearn at this exactly. point because he's hitting, like, one of the best hitters in baseball from the left side of the plate. But Heston Kerstad up to number 39 in baseball, which is, again, just in- incredible from him. Joey Ortiz up to number 66, and he can't even find a, a solid everyday spot at the big league level. Just tells you how talented this yeah. big league roster is right now. Connor Norby up to number 70, having a solid year at AAA Norfolk. The power number is a little bit down. But again, still the 70th-ranked prospect in baseball. And then Kobe Mayo at number 79. We haven't talked about Kobe Mayo enough, I don't think. He is yeah, mashing in double-A buoy, and he's not he's just not able to progress as quickly as some of the other guys who are up at AAA Norfolk because he was a high school hitter. He's way younger than everybody else, but he's way younger than everybody else at AA Bowie and is mashing. You put that guy in another organization, like the hype is unreal. Oh, yeah. He's behind six dudes. Yeah. He's probably your number two, number three prospect in most systems. Crazy. And for the Orioles, he's... You know, kind of further down on the top 100 list. Yeah, I mean that—that's a testament to how good this organization is at building a farm system. When yeah. you have a guy like that, who—and you know, there's a couple guys on this list who just don't get like Ortiz and and uh, Norby the same way. You put those guys in other organizations, and their fans are just clamoring over them. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Joey Ortiz is a great example. I mean, he's the number 66 prospect in baseball right now. He is an excellent, excellent defender. Might be, if not a, a, the best defender, he's at least you know a top two, three shortstop defensively in this organization, probably just behind Jorge Mateo. And he was mashing at AAA Norfolk. And all of a sudden, for Joey Ortiz, the bat came around after a few years of question yeah. marks, and he turned into just this really well-rounded prospect that we weren't really anticipating and he still can't really find every day at bats at the big league level because you have guys like Jordan Westberg, like quality players, Ramon Arias, Jorge Mateo, Adam Frazier at the big league level, that it's hard to find everyday spots for these prospects in the majors, which, again, is a very good problem to have. I feel like just because there you know, obviously aren't enough spots on a baseball field, this could end up being one of those things where it's, you look back in 10 years and say, wow, they had all that talent at the same time? Yeah. That's just nuts. And whether or not they all end up playing on the same field for the Orioles or not, I just think you're going to look back at this farm system this year in particular and say that might be one of the greatest organizational seven players in the top 100 that a team has ever had. Yeah, it could be like that photo of like the Alabama wide receiver room yeah, yeah. where you have like Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and yeah. Jalen Waddle. Everyone's like, how are they on the same team? We could be <laughs> talking about that with Orioles shortstop prospects in a few years. But Vivek on YouTube pointing out Ortiz and Mayo, both fourth round picks, which is an excellent segue to what we That's were true. going to originally talk about today off the top of the show, which was who the Orioles could potentially be targeting at 
number 17. And like we mentioned, a lot of these top 100 prospects, sure, the Orioles had the number one pick a few times. They had the number two pick with Heston Kerstad, number five with Colton Kowser, but you still have top 100 prospects who were drafted after number 17. As we take a look at some notable names who have been drafted after that spot, Gunner, Ortiz, Westberg, Mayo, Norby, and then recently last year, Dylan Beavers, Max Wagner, Judd Fabian, who's already at Double A Bowie. A lot of talented names in this organization who have been drafted after the number 17 pick. So while the hype may not be there like it would be for the number one pick, you should still be excited. Absolutely. I mean, if this organization has shown you anything, it's that they can develop young talent. And, and they can draft. And they can draft incredibly well. Those are two things that are pretty much money. Yeah. Um, so when you have guys like that uh, that come that late and in the draft and have already have success, like Judd Fabian already at AA, I mean, you got to have faith in Michael Elias and the team, especially heading into this draft, that they're going to pick somebody who you're going to be hearing the name of for years to come. Uh, so I'm pumped for this draft, and I know you are too. I'm pumped. Uh, let's get into some of our favorite potential names for the Orioles' number 17 pick. We threw out some names last week. Want to go a little bit more in-depth here on this show. First name I had, and I think the first name that I threw out last week, was Bryce Eldridge. He is listed as a first baseman slash right-handed pitcher. 18 years old, committed to Alabama. He is six foot seven and over 220 pounds as an 18-year-old, a 18-year-old left-handed bat at 6'7". He's listed as a first baseman, I think mostly because he is a pretty talented pitcher. He has the potential to be a two-way player, might be the best two-way player in this draft, and played first base in high school, presumably because they wanted to save his arm for his pitching outings. But I think he probably profiles as an outfielder. Scouts seem to be leaning more towards Eldridge as a corner outfielder rather than a pitcher. He doesn't have a great feel for spinning the ball as a pitcher, so probably would be a little bit harder to develop on the mound than he would be at the plate. But some scouts have said that he has double-plus raw power from the left side of the plate as a 6, 7, 18-year-old kid. And when you are looking at the bats that the Orioles have drafted, we talked about it last week. The profile is good raw power, good swing and miss rates. Bryce Eldridge has all of that. His tools have been called an abundance of riches. And I think that... You find, like, the most whimsical... I, like, I'm always looking for the whimsical <laughs> scouting profiles whimsical here with players. Of players ever. Future Star Series says that he has an abundance of riches <laughs> of tools. Short swing, excellent bat speed, strong exit velos. I think he could be a, a slam dunk at number 17 if the Orioles want to go with a high school bat. Yes. Um, he mashes high school pitching. I mean, yeah. the guy hits over 500. He has, like... 12 extra base hits, 30 RBIs in 19 games or whatever the stat was. He's unreal. Um, and I think a guy that you take out of high school and you could develop into a guy that might, you know, be up around number one again if you want to go for the the, the four-peat. Um, the ceiling is huge with yeah, Eldridge. the ceiling is huge. That's the thing. Um, but 
I just have a feeling when you look at that list that we just talked about, the only thing you don't see is a pitcher, right? Yeah. I have a feeling that they're going to go with an arm. I just, you, that's the one thing this organization, I don't want to say needs because it probably doesn't, but when you look at that farm system, it's the only thing that's kind of lacking. Of course, you have Grayson Rodriguez, and he's fantastic, and he's gross, but I'm not necessarily sure that that's going to do it in the long run. Yeah, and uh, lacking, I think there is just a relative term to what the hitters look like in this system because when you look at the Orioles' top 10 prospects right now, yes, it is stacked with hitters. That's just how the Orioles have kind of drafted here over the last few years, as you mentioned. But the Orioles have traded for quality pitching prospects like Cade Povich, like Chase McDermott, Seth Johnson. There are guys in this system outside of Grayson Rodriguez. Of course, you have you can't forget about D.L. Hall. Drew Rahm has looked pretty solid at AAA Norfolk to start the season. There are still pitching prospects, but you're right. When you look at the top 10 in this system, there aren't a ton of pitchers just because yeah. that's not really how you've drafted. So is there a pitcher in mind, Bones, at number yes, 17 that you I've like? You've got two. I've got two. We talked about them both last week. Okay. I like Hurston Waldrop a lot. I mean, his numbers are fantastic. Over 150 strikeouts in under 100 innings pitched, like 99 and a third or something. Um, So, you know, cheating a little bit there. But, you know, like you said, he's got that hoppy fastball. Some would even call it a goopy fastball. Goopy? Yeah, I just made that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Um yeah, he's fantastic. He's a high ERA, high strikeout guy, Yeah, which is something I think that organizations don't mind because if you're striking guys out, they can fix you, uh, especially one like the Orioles that has a knack for fixing arms and loving SEC power arms, as we learned. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely a guy I'm looking at. Just lost the College World Series. That probably hurt. Um, but he's a fantastic, fantastic pitcher. Uh, and a guy that I could totally see them taking at 17. Yeah, it makes me think of a guy that the Orioles just recently drafted in Trace Bright Yeah, out of Auburn. True. He was not a first-round pick, but as you mentioned, I don't think the Orioles are staring at ERA. That's, uh, we know the Orioles look... Archaic stat. Yeah, ERA, whatever. Trace Bright had a 513 ERA in his final season at Auburn, went 5-4 and four with that 513. Struck out close to 11 batters per nine innings. The Orioles clearly liked what he had just stuff-wise, arm-wise. The ERA didn't really matter to them. And then Trace Bright, the ERA has gone up a little bit at Aberdeen, but had a pretty unbelievable start in his first few games of the season. So obviously the Orioles liked the potential there and didn't really pay attention to the ERA numbers, which would certainly be the case for Hurston Waldrop. And as you mentioned, the, the pitches are fantastic. The hoppy fastball, the splitter is unbelievable. I think he is certainly a possibility at number 17. Is the other pitcher you liked, Bones, was it Chase Dolander? Yes, it was. I like Dolander a lot. Four pitches. He's got a fastball, curveball, changeup, slider. Uh, he's a guy that touches 100 in college, um, which for me makes me a little weary sometimes because I always feel like Tommy John's going to happen eventually. Obviously, I don't want anybody to get injured. Yeah, drafting pitchers is hard. We talked about it last week, but yeah. yeah. Um, Dolander, though, another guy, 475 ERA this past season, so uh, not exactly where you'd like it. But again, I don't think they care uh, because those strikeout numbers are really high as well. Um, So Dolander, a guy I could also see them taking. You said that it might be a reach, though, you think? No, I think Dolander would have to slide. Oh, yes. I mean, coming into the season... 
Dolander struggled a little bit this year in the SEC. Coming into the season, Dolander was looked at as a potential number one pick. Yeah. Number two pick, maybe, after Dylan Cruz. And he is slid a little bit because of the command issues. The ERA has not been great. The walk numbers are a little bit high. But if you're just looking at the stuff, I mean, he's a top five, top ten guy. So I think he'd have to slide a little bit for the Orioles at number 17. But I think he would certainly be a possibility if he gets there. Yeah, for sure. And for a guy like that, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I always like the guys who had the hype and then lost it. Maybe because I Interesting. Know, yeah, I don't know why. It's just something I've always You just enjoyed. fall in love with the initial hype? Well, it's more like I know that they knew that they had the hype and they knew You knew they that they, they knew that I you knew, knew that they knew. Exactly. Right. Precisely. Right. Um so they got that dog in them. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, and they're looking to prove people wrong because people were on the train, then they got off quickly, they hopped on the Paul Skeens train. Yeah. Chase Dolander's sitting there like, oh, I'm counting every single one of you that got off the train. Probably isn't, but in my head. You're a chip on the shoulder yeah. guy. In my head, he definitely is. And I like a guy with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Pounding 102 with a sweet curveball, with yeah. a malty curveball. That'll play. I'm just going to keep throwing adjectives at you. That'll play. Can I talk about my guy, Colton Ledbetter? Please do, dude. First of all, the analytics show that the Orioles love drafting guys named Colton. <laughs> That's the analytical stat, number one. But Colton Ledbetter, as I mentioned last week, outfielder from Mississippi State, he isn't one of the higher-ranked prospects when you look at different outlets. He's ranked 48th per MLB Pipeline, 35th per Prospects Live, 53rd for The Athletic. But he has been described as an analytical darling, Bones. And, and I just... I know that that is the type of hitter that the Orioles could be looking at. He does not walk, or excuse me, he does not strike out. He walks a ton. He is among the Division One leaders in walks. I got my does not and does mixed yeah, up don't there. Worry. I, I understood. He is a solid athlete who looks pretty good in center field. So he is an up the middle guy defensively, which adds to his value. Batting average and on base percentage are off the charts. He has. Probably more so gap power than home run power at this point, but still has a pretty solid power profile. It's not just because their first names are Colton. I it's promise. It's also because he's it's an analytical not. darling. But he just reminds me of the Colton Kowser pick. He does. He is the same kind of profile. A left-handed bat who walks a ton, has a great batting average, hasn't shown a ton of power home run wise but you know the power but is there what are they gonna do when they have 80 outfielders they're gonna keep getting play. good players in the system bones they're gonna keep having quality players okay but i think they need a pitcher but you know that's why i'm not sitting three floors above but they haven't done it they haven't I done know. it but this is another chance maybe I guess this is going to be the first time, like I said last week, we're going to get to see Elias in his bag. Um, this is going to be the first time we're going to get to watch Elias like really react to how the draft goes yeah. and say, okay, like we wanted this guy, this guy, this guy, and they're all gone. Let's see, do we reach? Do we reach for our guy that we know that we want? Also, the other thing I was thinking about, this is the first year where you can trade picks, right? What if he just traded up? I don't think that's a that thing. He's not. Yes, it is. You can you trade can, picks now. I thought that was just the competitive balance rounds. Really? Yeah. Oh. I don't think that that's been a thing. No comment at this time. 
<laughs> Bones came well prep. Bones, who's another guy that you like? I swear you can trade picks. In the competitive balance round, you can. Mm. That's how the Orioles were able to acquire the pick that got them uh, able to move up in last year's draft. They got Judd Fabian with the number 67 overall okay. pick. I had half the information. Yeah. That happens a lot. But that that's, anyway, that's happened saying? a few times. Bones, who's another guy on your list that you're looking at? I, I like Matt Shaw a lot, okay? Local Matt kid. Shaw, yes. Take the local kid. Matt Shaw, he might be a little short, but that's okay because he's a dog. Um, <laughs> listen, this guy goes He's a, he's a Connor Norby type of player. You think? I think so. I think he's got some power. So does Connor Norby. That's true. Led the minor leagues in uh, Orioles affiliates in home runs last season. The thing that comes to my head for Connor Norby is that he hit 415 in college. <laughs> Which so is like, also really also good. He be a power bat, but he is. He is. Uh, no, Matt Shaw, he is a similar player to Connor Norby and yeah. a local guy um, and a guy that's seen a lot of success. I like Matt Shaw a lot. Um, I think that he could fit into that mold very well, but another guy in the same situation where you take him and he's going to get buried. He's going to get buried with like... He, like, even if they develop him, what is where is he going to go? See, I do disagree with you there because it's just never a bad thing to keep getting good hitting prospects. And I think it is... The Orioles have shown that they are able to draft good position player prospects, develop them into top 100 type of players, and then you figure it out. We always talk about... You know, it seems like every time that we have done a show where we say, oh, there's a log jam, like what are the Orioles going to do? It always works itself out, whether it's injuries, whether it's trades, whatever it may be. If a pitcher is the Orioles' best player on the board, the Orioles will take a pitcher if he is their best player on the board. But if it's a position player, I think they'll take the position player. I don't think they're looking at the system and saying, man, we need some pitching prospects. You can trade for guys. You can develop guys that you drafted in later rounds. If the Orioles feel more confident in the first round in a position player, they'll draft that guy, regardless of how their top 10 prospect rankings are looking on MLB pipeline. If they think that's the best player, they're going to draft the best best player. I think Matt Shaw could be that guy. Yeah, He reminds I mean, me a lot of Connor Norby. Want to get really inside baseball here with me for a second on Matt Shaw? When do I not? Cape Cod League stud. Yeah. And if you're not too familiar Warm with the Cape Cod team. League, the Cape Cod League is the best summer baseball league for collegiate players. It is where pretty much all of the best players in college baseball go to play their summer ball. And if you are good on the Cape Cod League, that can be a real indication of what type of player you could be when you are drafted playing at the professional level. If you are a quality player in the Cape Cod League, Matt Shaw was named the 2022 Cape Cod Summer Player of the Year. I watched a lot of those games last year. Yeah, and I think that gives me a pretty good indication of the player that he could be at the next level. I watched him win the championship. That guy is fantastic. Um, and then he went on to have an incredible season at Maryland uh, this past year. Hit above 340, had an OPS in the stars, 24 home runs. The guy's a dog, um, and a guy that I feel like you can't really go wrong with. Um, so Matt Shaw is certainly somebody I'd keep my eye on if I were you. One guy, 
that I have left to, to kind of round out my top five guys that I'm really looking at. His name is not Colton, wow. but he's got a great baseball name. That's Tommy Troy. Yeah. It's a good baseball fantastic name. Fantastic baseball name. That's another analytical measure that like, I'm going to use is quality of baseball name. I Tommy Troy is like, right up there with the best. I thought you were going to go like old fashioned or something like Choo Choo Coleman. Nah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I think Dylan Cruz has the best baseball name in the draft, but Tommy Troy is right up there. He's ranked the 19th best draft prospect per MLB pipeline. Number 21 on prospects live number 12 on the athletic Keith law, really high on Tommy Troy. It's a hitter hit close to 400 this year. On base percentage over 475. The OPS is excellent. Didn't strike out a ton. Good walk numbers. The thing that jumped out to me about Tommy Troy that would align with the Orioles' philosophy is that he makes a lot of contact, but he's not making chase contact. Yeah. From what scouts have said and what I've read about Tommy Troy, when he makes contact, it is nine times out of ten good quality, hard contact. He's not just swinging at pitches out of the zone to try to poke something and it's a ground out to second base and he's out. If he's swinging and making contact, it's good contact. And we have heard so much about the Orioles' philosophy of swing decisions, of only swinging at pitches that you can do damage with, which seems to really align with what Tommy Troy has been able to do at Stanford over the last few years. When you see a guy who hit nearly 400, I mean, immediately That's good. you're like, that guy's a pro hitter. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I, I wonder how many guys hit nearly 400 and don't become, don't get drafted, you know? Like, and he did it at Stanford, a real school. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely impressive. Absolutely an impressive player uh, and a guy that I think you're right, has a great baseball name and, and can put it all in the field and make it work too. Um, I could see them taking him as well yeah. because, as we just talked about, they're going to take the best player available. This is a class in which there's just great hitting everywhere, which is often the case, but I think especially this season. Yeah. Uh, Vivek on YouTube again saying Tommy Troy is kind of similar to Matt McLean, which is a good comp as well. But Tommy Troy, another one of those shortstops who will probably be either a third baseman or a second baseman once he hits pro ball. Anybody else on your list, Bones, that we haven't touched on that, oh. that you think could be favorites here for the Orioles at number 17? We hit everybody I had on my list, man. I think the biggest thing that we need to emphasize is that it does not matter how large our list is. I've got about 20, 25 guys that we've been doing prep on ahead of the Orioles' number 17 pick, ahead of our live draft show on Mass and All Access. If Watch you're it. tuning in on draft night, July 9th, tune in, say hi. We've got about 20, 25 guys. I give it about a 5% chance that Michael Elias is going to draft one of the guys on that list. Okay, yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't think he's taking any of our opinions. No, account. certainly uh, <laughs> not. You're telling me that Michael Elias isn't listening no, to I, this show that's saying, exactly what I'm telling wow, you. you know what? Bones makes a good point about <laughs> Bryce Eldridge. Might um, have to be the guy. I would, again, like I'm just looking forward to watching him take somebody I've never heard of and yeah. watching that guy turn into a star. We are going to try our darndest to get somebody on our list of 2025 guys that the Orioles actually end up picking. We're going to make a lot of graphics. We're going to try to do a lot of interviews and they'll probably pick somebody that we don't have. And that's okay. They're probably going to turn out to be a top 100 prospect on the line. Likely. 
Likely is the case. That's just what happens. Yes, it is. Well, thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of The Bird's Nest, even through our technical difficulties early on. We'll be back next week with probably our most full-fledged draft preview that we can. We will bring you whatever we hear from Michael Elias, whatever we hear from Brad Selick. We will try to give you who the Orioles will pick at number 17, and then we'll be wrong. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm Brendan Mortensen. He's Matt Bonaparte. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes. We'll see you next time.